Welcome everybody to Drive to Win. I'm Justin Bell here at the Win Las Vegas. And so much to talk about. My guest on this week's show is pretty much one of the original superstars, a second generation racing driver, Damon Hill OBE. Very excited to have him on the on the show. A former Formula One world champion uh, with a lot to say. Now, as you can tell, I'm back here in the wind. We did have uh, a week off because so did Formula One. But of course, they came back with a vengeance last weekend for the Hungarian Grand Prix. Now, I have a lot to talk about when it comes to that race. But this place, let me tell you, is getting a little bit more racy by the week. I've shown you before the studio right next door to me, and they have just increased, upgraded, changed the cars that they've got in there on display to people as they walk by. Let me just read this to you. We now have a 2017 Scuderia Toro Rosso. It's the STR12 Red Bull car. Uh, we've got the 2022 Alfa Romeo Formula One uh, C42. It's a 1999 Ferrari F399 and a 2013 Ferrari F138. And they're all literally the other side of the wall, kind of behind the camera where you are right now. Uh, I'm going to go and check them out later and we're going to put some social media up about them. But if you are coming to the win, it, you make no mistake about it. You will find out that this place is starting to really rev up, as they say, for the Heineken Silver Grand Prix, which is coming, of course, in the middle of November. Pretty much the win is the epicenter. And if you want to be a part of it, go to winlasvegas.com slash experiences slash F1. There are many ways for you to come and, and watch the race and be a part of it. From the ribbon cutting on the Wednesday night when they opened their whole new paddock area, that state-of-the-art half-billion-dollar investment by Formula One into the Las Vegas Strip. It's all uh, go to the green flag on Saturday night. So. We're going to be here. We're going to be in the studio. We're going to have the most amazing guests. So uh, I can't wait for you to be a part of it. The 2023 Hungarian Grand Prix, pretty much a tale of records falling and some uh, crockery, by the way. But we'll get to that in a minute. The big story of the weekend, in my opinion, was Lewis Hamilton getting pole. I was, <laughs> unfortunately, I was away. Not unfortunately, I was hosting a big Ferrari event up at Sonoma Raceway. And I saw the qualifying came through on my face, on my phone. And, and I was like, am I serious? How did I miss that? So the minute I could, I went on the F1 app, which is brilliant, by the way, and checked out the qualifying highlights. And it, Lewis Hamilton, he has had pole there nine times before. So this is a track he obviously loves beyond measure. But it was his first since Jeddah in 2021. But it's his 104th pole position. As a race car driver, I can tell you, I, I, I can't even imagine what it is like to have that ultimate pace at your fingertips. And it just shows, and, and we did say it on the show, didn't we, a few weeks ago, talking with some of our other guests, that just because a team is in the downside of the roller coaster that is our beautiful sport, doesn't mean the drivers have forgotten how to win races. It doesn't mean a world champion's forgotten how to win a championship, or Lewis Hamilton has forgotten how to drive a car, his Mercedes to pole. They were the dominant uh, team for so many races, so many years. And it's just, it's just incredible. Now, of course, if he'd won, it would have been a record nine wins at one venue. So uh, he's, he knows how to win from pole. But as we saw, it didn't go quite right. Uh, Max Verstappen down the inside. He had, he had the inside line. And to be fair, he, I think he was pretty wound up. And that was one of the stunning things from the post-race 
you know, quali- post-qualifying interview, Max was perturbed. He's been a bit chilled out with all these polls, fastest lap wins, but now he, not to win, get pole by just, I think it was three hundredths or three tenths. He was peed off. And that is the measure of a man that wants to dominate and win races. Probably explains why he was so good. But he did go on to win and he wasn't challenged and he won by, I mean, 33 seconds, I think, which is the largest race win margin in a long time. And it was, you have to, you just let him do his thing and you you revel in his brilliance and you respect it. But when it comes to what was happening behind, so many people have said this and I don't want to be cliched, but if you didn't have him in the race, it would be arguably one of the most exciting Formula One grids, one of the most exciting Formula One uh, races every week that we've ever seen Because in decades, because it could be any one of these top teams that we've seen com- improving after their mid- midsummer upgrades who are, who are now in that position to compete for a, a, stop, a spot on the podium. I think it's just uh, rather brilliant. Now, of course, the big records that fell, as I, as I kick this off with, uh, it was the 12th victory in a row for Red Bull, which is, was something that was set years ago um, by, by, I mean, McLaren have had a go. McLaren were the ones that held it before. I mean, outrageous to have that many wins in a year. But for, I mean, it was 1988, 12 wins in a row. But now, of course, with, I mean, with uh, Mac, with Red Bull doing that 12 wins in a row. I, I mean, I don't think it's going to stop, is it? I think this could be the season that a new benchmark for Formula One history is going to be created. And the drivers that have done it before, uh, Alberto Ascari, Michael Schumacher, Nico Rosberg, and Sebastian Vettel. And a very nice moment on the podium. Nico was doing the, the, the post-race interviews and Max went, how many did you get? And uh, you saw Nico go, oh, I, I think I, I did eight. I think he did eight. Yeah, so uh, six. So um, for Max to get seven consecutive race wins, what's the bets? I guess I'm in Vegas. Uh, I'm sure they'd place a bet on it. How many wins in a row is Max going to do? Well, that's, I guess, the big question. Although when you look at it as well, he is starting to have challenges rising up from the ranks. Not quite ready to take it to him on track, but the nature of the pole position shows... These cars, these upgrades, Mercedes have found a lot. McLaren have found a lot. Uh, and who knows? It, it could be when we go to certain tracks, it may start to fall in their direction. The, the issue is you've got to beat him off the line. You've got to be able to ruin his strategy and, and let Max have to kind of overtake, overtake again. Uh, but another wonderful bit of news is after we were all getting a little depressed and a little bewildered, perplexed by Sergio Perez's performance, not getting out of Q1 for the last God knows how many races. He's back. He's back on the podium. And uh, you could tell his relief. Uh, I think he was uh, looking a little aggravated by people saying, you're back, you're back. But to my mind, uh, inside, he must be awfully relieved. And I'm sure Christian Horner and the whole team and his side of the garage, who worked very hard uh, on his race car, as do Max's, and they know what his cap- the car's capable of. So great to see Sergio back up there in second. As a Brit, Lando Norris coming in second again. He, I mean, he he rocked the British crowds by getting second place uh, at the Silverstone Grand Prix just a couple of weeks ago. And everyone's like, God, can, can McLaren keep that up? And 
I think it was it just was it just Silverstone? How were their summer upgrades? But then you come into to the Hungarian ring and he did it again. He did it with with he was able to keep Max within, you know, like throw an anchor onto the back of the car for a little bit. But uh Lando showing that he's right up there. And I and I get his post-race comments, if some of you picked it up, where he was like, hey guys, we're not just far, we're not faster than Mercedes. Don't don't start saying that just because we beat them, we've now got the dominant car. He did a bloody good job. He ran his way out the front and he kept he stuck his car there and kept it. I don't think personally there's much between the the Mercedes and the McLaren. Um, because, you know, he's uh He's he's just driving really really well, but the one that I'm uh, you know I'm interested in as well is Oscar Piastro. I'm gonna sort of think about that for for the next race, but you know he's right up there too. And but for, but for some bad luck, he could have been on the podium. And he's uh, he's proving that the McLaren is not just a one horse team. Both those drivers are, are driving excellently. If you had a pulse and a phone, you realize that Daniel Ricciardo being back in Formula One was, uh, I'm sure the Net- Netflix executives were rubbing their hands with glee because bringing his trademark smile and his enthusiasm and just that energy he brings to Formula One, which is obviously genuinely the way uh, he is as a, as a happy Australian. Everyone was interested to see how he did. Just But following his social media journey to get there, his excitement to be back in Formula One, the test that he had at Silverstone for Alfa Tori when he was really quick enough to put the car at the front of the grid the day before in the actual race. It just shows that it was a great decision. And, you know, we've discussed so much why they would bring a driver back. It's the technology, it's the investment in them, it's the understanding of the, of the not just the systems on the car, but how to work with a team. And, and who knows, who knows whether his journey will lead back into a Red Bull seat, but certainly by uh, out-qualifying Yuki Tsunoda and finishing 13th overall, it was not a bad, uh, you know, dipping your feet back into the pond. Um, but remember, uh, records while they were being smashed uh, was one thing, but did you see Lando? He does this thing with a bottle of champagne where he bangs it down on the ground, unfortunately, to make it fizz out quicker. Unfortunately, uh, he he smashed the trophy that was sitting there for Max Verstappen and on his little podium. Most trophies are metal. And when they fall over, it's not a big deal. And unless they're glass. But this one was China. Apparently it took, it was porcelain. It took six months to make and was valued at around $50,000. So so, so you could just imagine, well, for the drivers, it was a bit of a lark. Uh, I think for whoever made it, it was probably pretty tragic. And Lando did seem... Uh, a little apologetic, uh, apologetic afterwards. Uh, but like my son, he blamed it on Max for putting it in the wrong place. Still a kid. Anyway, uh, after that amazing race, uh, someone that was there who understood, who's always got his finger on the pulse, is my guest for this week. I'm a second generation generation race car driver, and the first time I came across Damon Hill, other than having seen him at racetracks, was when we were both as part of the Camel Junior program. And I got some great photographs of us all looking very fresh-faced. He was going into Formula 3000 and then on to Formula 1, and I was just starting out. Uh, but Damon, he is an OBE, Order of the British Empire. Got that from the Queen. His son of the 19... Um, he was the 1996 World F1 champion and son of Graham Hill, who was a World Formula 1 world champion back in the 60s. 
He started out in motorbikes, uh, but then when he went to Formula One, was actually he took the fight to Michael Schumacher in 1994. Schumi won by a single point, but you got to, as they say, if you want to measure yourself as a sportsman, who did you beat to achieve your your biggest uh, goals uh, and and trophies? And in Damon's case, Michael Schumacher was his main rival. He's won 22 wins in Formula One. And eight of those in the year he won the championship in 1996. He's now one of the top uh, broadcast uh, commentators on the Formula One Sky Sports Formula One broadcast team. And I couldn't be happier to welcome him here. Damon Hill, welcome to Drive to Win. Thank you very much, Justin. I'm, I'm you know, delighted and surprised to be here um, in Las Vegas, sort of virtually. I mean, I'm not in Las Vegas, but you are. Yeah, it's that is the magic of our modern communication. I'm here in a casino and you're at home having dinner, uh, which you just finished. Mm. And that is the beauty of it. Well, hopefully when you, you're going to come to the Las Vegas Grand Prix. Mm. Is that one of the ones you're going to do? I am not due to, I'm not due to come. I'll tell you one of the reasons I'm not due to come is because I'm due to be in Abu Dhabi with Sky, which is the final race. And by which time I think, um, Max Verstappen will have won, uh, was it 23 Grand Prix <laughs> yes. um, in a season? And, uh, and so, um, but it's a, it's a long old haul from, from Vegas to Abu Dhabi. And so I, I, I don't want to be called a, you know, uh, uh, someone who's shy of flying long distances. But um, if I'm not due to be there, then I will probably go straight to Abu Dhabi. But it's going to be one hell of a party and everyone is, you know, They've been prepared for this one and they've been talking yeah. about it for a long time. It's going to be one over party. So I might, I might be missing that one. I think, I think you are going to miss a party, but they've made a commitment. They're going to be here for years. So I think you'll, you'll have a year too. Oh, uh, okay. well, I, I've been following your exploits. Uh, obviously, I, I couldn't make it over to the Goodwood Festival of Speed, but you were there driving some kind of tasty stuff, weren't you? Was that a great weekend? As you said, you weren't there the whole time, but was it a great weekend? Every week. Yeah, it's a long weekend. I mean, they start on Thursday as well. They used to start on Friday. Now they go through to Thursday. And uh, they, every vir- virtually every kind of car that has ever been raced uh, will turn up at some point and, and run up the hill at the Festival of Speed in front of Goodwood House. It's a you know, spectacular setting. Unfortunately, it was wet mm. uh, for two of the three, if not three of the days, and quite chilly. But um, we got there in the end. And, and um, I keep calling him Charles March, but he's not. He's uh, Duke of Richmond now. Yeah. Um, but Charles Duke of Richmond, um, he uh, knows how to put on a party and some fireworks. Yeah, uh, it's spectacular. It, if you're not been, you have to go and take your time because it's uh, it's all day event an all day event for four days. Yeah, no. Dad said it was unbelievable and seeing the cars and of course I'm a, they, their live streams great. I really enjoyed it and the interviews and seeing everybody and uh, you know it's one of those times along with the British Grand Prix that I I, I wish I didn't live in live over here. But well, let's talk about you. Obviously, if you didn't go to Hungary for the race, you were you were probably plumped down on the sofa watching it like I was. Um, mm. You just said it. Max is on this this storming, stampeding, record breaking run, and and I think the uh, the 12 victory thing for Red Bull is going to, you know, the eclipsing Mar- McLaren's record uh, of 20 years. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be smashed, isn't it? It's going to be destroyed. Yeah, thought, there's, an, there's another one, which is Vettel's uh, 12 race win. Con- you know, actually, he, Max hasn't won the 12 races. This has just been yeah. 
Red, Red Bulls yeah. run of unbeaten. But I'm not sure if it's, is it, is it actually the whole, it, did it include a race from last year as well, I think? So yeah. he's on course, for, for, if he carries on doing what he's doing, then he'll break all the records of, of whether it's an individual driver or um, in one season or it's a um, McLaren's record and you know, just about every record will, will be bust to pieces if he carries on like this. And, um, he, you know, I, you do wonder whether he can make it all the way to the end winning every race. Now, that would be just remarkable. Um, highly unlikely. I don't know what the odds are for that. Got to be a thousand to one, I'd say. Well, I'm in Vegas. If you want me to place a bet, I am in the well, right place, well, right? I'm Someone's sure someone here will tell me that, that, right? I just, what? did. I was I in a completely inadvertently slipped in a, a betting odds yeah. um, line there. Um, so I'm clearly tuned in already to the, the whole Vegas <laughs> the mindset. Whole, whole purpose of my show. Well, go out, just go and tell me what you see. You must tell me what odds you, yeah. there are. Someone's going to take a bet, aren't they, in Vegas? Or, and actually, one of the guys who works our Grand show, one of the guys who works our show, Nick, who's not here today, he is massive into sports uh, sports books. So, uh, so is Jeremiah, my producer, who's already on his phone right now, checking it out. I think. Mm. Um, so, I mean, other than the, the Red Bull thing. And and it's I know it's so funny when people are like criticizing this brilliance. You know, you get the fan pushback because no one likes someone dominating that much. But you were part of a pretty healthy dominating run too with Williams. I mean, don't every, drag me into this. I am every every <laughs> every team. Every, you know, all the top teams on the grid. If you you know, for those longer term fans of Formula One, not just the Drive to Survive fans, uh, yeah. they've seen. All of Ferrari, Williams, McLaren, everyone's had their time at the top, haven't they? And Mercedes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why is our sport so cyclical, do you think? It, hmm. I think, well, in the past, what's happened is there's been a change in the regulations that usually gives, let's say, let's say it's luck. I mean, it's not luck, it's hard work, yeah. and, but people ultimately have to go down a route and they have to read a set of regulations. And they have to say, well, I think using my experience, the right way to go is this. Now, there may be an element of luck in that, but um, I think in the, this particular case, it's just simply sheer brilliance. I mean, Adrian Newey is the guy who's famously masterminded uh, the victories of not only my Grand Prix, like my world championship, but also Nigel Mansell's and, uh, and Alan Prost. I mean, you know, it's, uh, just carries on Sebastian Vettel and you know, Max Verstappen, and he's just, he's just, he's got the Midas touch. He's an aerodynamicist by trade, and he is influential. And this car, the concept for this car, hit the ground running last year, the beginning of last year, when they changed the regulations, and was right from the word go. And they always say that if a car's quick out of the box, that's it, you know, it's done. And everyone else has been tripping over themselves to see and going over their workings and trying to find out where they've got it wrong. Um, so... They are in, they're in, they've got an opportunity maybe for a, this year and, and maybe next year to still be ahead, but everyone will catch up eventually. And then you get this you know, period where they're, they're trying to stay on top. If you remember Max's first championship, which he won in Abu Dhabi, they were closing down on Mercedes mm. who had dominated for 10 years. So uh, eight seasons, I think. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, so they it will go around in circles, but it eventually comes to a, a point where they can't hold back the tide anymore, and everyone else is onto what they're doing. And um, what what normally happens, what should happen, is really we have more competition from the teammates within a, a dominant mm. team. So that's famously where Senna and Prost became the the thing to watch. 
And if you've got a dominant car, at least if you've got two teammates fighting for a world championship, then you've got a, a championship. And that was also the case with Mercedes and um, Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton uh, not so long ago. Yeah, so I guess you, you, you're right. At the moment, Max is, I mean, he is just obviously on that role that we, if as a driver, if you're lucky enough to get that winning streak and you just feel invincible yeah. and now he's feeling invincible, invincible, isn't he? And, and uh, yes. but he's not being taken to task by his teammates. So he's just able to double down, I think every time. Um, hmm. But it's, uh, what did you think when you saw Lewis, you know, Lewis's pace? Because I said it right at the top of the show. It's so easy. Again, in racing, you can say, oh, he's, he's off the boil. No, he's not. He's driving the, the no. shoes off it and, and he's doing yeah. so well. But wh- wh- how, do you, how do you attribute their pace? And is it, is it the car plus Lewis and George, obviously? Just, but they're so intense, real workers, aren't they? Yes, I mean, I'm, just, I'm just mindful of the fact that some of your viewers, listeners might be newish to, to, the, to our sport. Yes, very much um, so. So just to, to, to remind people that there's, there's two real competitions in a weekend. There's the qualifying which determines the grid. And then there's the race itself. Now, the cars you need for those particular disciplines are, it's the same car, but you need slightly different qualities from the car. Mm. And so, um, and also they use, they attack more in the qualifying and they use only need one good lap out of a set of tires. And they were on the soft tire, which is the stickiest and the softest and the one that will not go that far, but it will produce one lap. That's all they needed. So they were very close. In fact, he was on pole position by three one-thousandths of a second for Max Verstappen. So Lewis was on pole. And it looked like we had a race on our hands. And then, of course, the race day comes along and Max just drives off into the distance. So what does that tell you? It tells you that a a new set of tyres will hide a multitude of sins. You know, it's it's Mm. just so, the tyre is so important for the grip level. Um, And in fact, you have to go back quite a long way (laughs) to when I was racing in Hungary. And I was on Bridgestones and everyone else was on Goodyear's and I nearly won the race in an uncompetitive car. So the tyre is, is by far and away the most important part of the car. And it's not actually part of the car, it's the, it's the tyre. Um, so anyway, so th- the question then is, well, how do you look after your tyres? And this is the name of the game in racing now is to find a way of making the tyres work um, and stay consistent because that that's means that the driver can push to the optimum mm. for longer and that's how they get away so that's what's going on there and they're all scratching their head now thinking well we've got we can get bring a time out of it but how do we make it last like the red bulls do for an entire race distance and that's that's a measure of an advantage they have you know um and it's for others to work out what to do next yeah i mean and you can see it like max runs those mediums for like 50 laps while everyone else is going, this is impossible. How's he doing it? How's he popping in, for, you know, yeah. keeping at the front? Yeah, I mean, yeah. We're sitting, there's so much that goes on, but it is, it is exciting. If, and, and I don't think it's right to say you take Max out of it because Max is doing a great, you know, it's just exemplary. We're lucky to see it, aren't we? But uh, the rest of them, every weekend, I'm just, it's, it's, it's the most exciting thing it's been. I mean, is it going to be Lando there? Is it going to be Oscar? Is it going to, I mean, as fans, because yeah. we are fans, aren't we? And, and, and yeah. you've been around it your whole life. Uh, it's a bloody good scene, second back. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're not Dutch, I mean, pick a team that's in the middle of the grid yeah. <laughs> and then it'll have an exciting weekend. You know, uh, if you're a Red Bull fan, then fine, you're going to get what you want. But 
uh, in the mid pack, it is really, really everyone's everyone's got an opportunity, and they're they're so close and tripping over themselves. And one week they're up, one week they're down. It is really it's really exciting to watch. You know, we're just we thought we saw Aston Martin you know, being the team that's going to challenge and then suddenly they've been overtaken by the, the McLarens and it's it's never easy. You don't, it doesn't stand still for very long, but the order of things. So um, they're fighting like crazy and they're spending millions of pounds and uh, doing everything they can in a factory with wind tunnels and, uh, you know, virtual sim- simulators and, and also um, virtual, uh, I've forgotten the name of it, it's the aerodynamics on the computer, yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. Yeah, doing yeah. their sums, everything, yeah. everything yeah. they can do. Are you, Amazing. Are you, now, thousands of them. You know, there's thousands, there's, right? there's a team, a teams of yeah, it's hundreds and hundreds of people in these teams. How many people you know, at Williams when you were there? How many people were you? 150 people. Holy 150 cow. people. That's the yeah. number of engineers they have now, just on one I, area. I spe- yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I was I was talking to a friend of mine. He's, he runs a. a chain of restaurants down on the south coast he said he's got 150 people working for him <laughs> you know that was as many people that worked on my car when i was winning the world championships you know it's uh it's it doesn't get you anywhere now so that doesn't include the people in the engine departments as no. well so they've got some of them like mercedes have got a completely different business that runs that builds their engines and that would be another thousand people wild so anyway yeah how i'm mean, obviously now with the days since Frank Williams and, you know, and when he passed away and then the family sold the team and, but Williams is one of those names. And I mentioned it on a couple of shows ago, you know, if you, if you, if you're not a, a new fan, we all remember how those, they were the team when you were there. I mean, it was a, yeah. an amazing decade, yeah. dominating time. Um, do you still look at the team though? And with fondness as in, I'm sure there must be people there that you, that you still know, and you you followed yeah. their hardships. It's like a tough. Uh, they're not quite yeah. there. There's very uh, there are not many people left from the old days. I don't think there now. So it, I mean, it was quite a while back. I was driving there, and so and it's gone and it's changed ownerships. But the name that, that is there, like McLaren, um, the name is there and will be an asset to the team. They don't want to change that. They know they've got a heritage, and they'll want to build on that and 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 hope that they can. Have a, another life at the front. Uh, it's not impossible, is it? I mean, no. it, it, things can be done, um, but it is very hard to get from the back to the front in Formula One. But I like to see what I'm seeing at Williams. There's some some good changes, and um, one of the guys who's come from Mercedes, uh, who um, is, is running the team now, is uh, is helping them make uh, good strides. And Alexander Albon's very very good. He's as good, well, isn't so. he? Albon's really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know what we saw. What we saw with De Vries the other day. I'm just thinking about it. Is that when you see someone like him removed in a in a very execution style? You know, with this, with the someone said that's a bit unfair. I said <laughs> the dollars they're spending, mate. There's no, you know, yeah, you you'd be out yeah. in a heartbeat. Do you do you imagine that with the Logan Sargents of the world, they you know they go, boy, if it can happen to him, it can happen to me. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is a worry, you know, that's, that people run out of patience. You have to, there's a, what you don't have in a situation that uh, was uh, prevalent at Red Bull and AlphaTauri is that you have a team in Red Bull that like to have a pool of talent 
and they like to keep changing their talent to just see, okay, well, one, like, I mean, famously, uh, uh, someone in Formula One called drivers light bulbs, but this was going back into the dark ages when, when people were, um, well, unfortunately lost their lives. But anyway, they were saying that they talked about them quite disparagingly and said that we can, you know, if one doesn't work, we just take one out and put a new one in. Um, and, uh, that is, it, it sounds incredibly cruel, but if you think about, American football or, um, you know, uh, basketball or football, you know, people are put in teams, they're given a go and if they don't work, they're put on the bench. Yeah. Maybe they're traded for someone else and that's just the way it is. I mean, it is hard and you have to be of a standard, at least a certain standard to be able to keep a place in Formula One and in the hope that something good happens or you're one of these extraordinarily talented people who just hit the ground and are fast straight away like Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen. Yeah. And they're, they're, those are the people that everyone trips over to try and get in their car. And boy, do they. And but you look at Lando. I mean, I wasn't really aware of how many opportunities he might have had with Red Bull, which he declined to, to stay in McLaren. And, and no wonder Zach was so, yeah. so emphatic to keep him. You know, and he did the right thing, didn't he? I mean, yeah, I looked at I looked at Lando when he when Max when um sorry Zach turned up and said, "This is my new driver." I looked at him. And said, he's not old enough. What are you yeah. talking about? You know, he's yeah. only about he's only about five foot tall and nothing. He, he wouldn't be strong enough. But he's a big lad now, and he's um you know he's he's so he's confident in a very charming way. You know, he's not he's not got a an abrasive personality. He's got a quirkiness, and and people like him. He's uh. I can he's sort of see friend. that. I can see that, like mm. as his confidence as well. He's now not the new boy. You can see it. He's definitely a cheeky chap. You can see he, you know, what kind yeah. of a kid he must have been. Yeah. You know, confident, you know, chippy, mm. ready to go. Yeah, he's breaking Max Verstappen's trophies as well. But, that uh, was funny. That was <laughs> not funny if you'd spent <laughs> six months making it. I wonder if the uh, Hungarians saw the funny side of that because they. <laughs> <laughs> those, those trophies cost about forty thousand pounds. Apparently, they're very, very much, much revered. But um, I, I'm sure they'll get replacements. I'm Must sure they'll get replacements. Exactly. Mm. I think it's not far off heading towards thirty years, is it? Since your championship, you know the right. Yeah, it's, it's heading that way. Must be. It's heading that way. Three years, I think. Three years. Another three years. What a different yeah. world that was. From a performance mm. point of view, we'd watch you do it. We'd watch the racing at the time, you and Schumacher. And I mean, it was, was I think we were much more w focused on the racing than the backstory because we didn't really know the backstory, did we? Until, you know, what Liberty have done and, and opened up the world for the, for the fans. Um, yeah. How do you reflect back on, on that time? And, and was that an era that you're really glad you raced in against the people you raced? I think I'm glad I raced those kind of cars in on those sort of tracks because I think things have become um, more controlled and monitored and closer. To, there's there's less randomness, I think mm. you could say, uh, to things. And the cars, if a car is handling badly or a car is difficult to drive, it can be as exciting as a car that's brilliant. You know, you yeah. imagine if a car is really good, it does everything you want it to, then there's what's, what's for you to do, you know? So, um, and there's also quite a lot of, um, media stuff is part of their life now mm. in a way that it wasn't, they can control their media. So Lewis is obviously clearly someone who's 
able to command his own audience through his own channels and stuff, which we couldn't do when we were racing. So you had to go through newspaper journalists and, and uh, the TV company would film you and that would yeah. be it, you know. Um, so you didn't have a right to reply or your own way to present yourself in the way they do now. So I think that's why they're much more tradable, that's, that's not the right word, uh, marketable yeah. individuals now. You don't envy the, the pressures they have on them? Um, I, I think this pressure has always been there. It doesn't yeah. seem any greater now than it was. I think the pressure is on their time and the need to perform, perhaps. would. I mean, some people are natural performers, but if you think about, if you go back further than me, you go back to a time when there was someone like Jim Clark, who was a, a very shy. Now, Jim Clark was is still regarded as one of the greatest talents ever to have raced. And he was a very shy person. Yeah. Um, probably not so good in, in the media. Your dad would have done well have now, though, wouldn't Jim he? Clark? Your dad would have been a ra know, raging probably, personality. My, I think he was right for his time, uh, Justin. I think he was, I think, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure how he would have come across in today's world where you have to be a little bit more politically correct, but he certainly was a character and he definitely loved, uh, uh, he loved the camera. Yeah. And he knew what to do with the camera as well. And he knew what to do with the quote. And he was, he was good in every regard there. But, um, but now the rules have changed, you know. So I'm afraid you don't, um, you know, you, you don't have your picture taken with two yeah. voluptuous ladies done. on each arm and stuff like that. Yeah. No, that's what I remember Sterling, Sterling Moss saying to, you know, for the audience, uh, you know, one of our legendary British drivers who only passed away a couple of years ago, but he, I mean, Sterling, the conversations you'd have with him, you're like, Sterling, you can't, you can't, you can't call, no. you can't call the broadcast no. lady a, a nice piece of crumpet. It doesn't go down anymore. No. <laughs> no. Well, he wouldn't listen to you, if, even if you said that. So he was, he was determined to stick in his own uh, uh, time warp, you know, and that's part of his, part of his charm, charm in a way, his authenticity. Yeah, my but, dad's um, just at the tail yeah, end I mean, of that. Things have moved on. Yeah. But I, and I have to say, I mean, I don't know what you think about it, but I, I think it is, on reflection, it is. It was sort of slightly, um, not seedy, not the right word, but it was slightly, slightly tacky. Mm. Some of it, I think, in those days, you know, and um, the use of, of women to promote cigarettes and <laughs> stuff like that. It was, it was quite brazen, and uh, and now we live in uh, a little bit more considered times, maybe, yeah. you know, yeah. and actually. Uh, it's it's more respectful to to women, which is perhaps is the right should be. right for the time. But I just I said I actually said it when I was introducing you. You and I, and you know Gary Bradman, David Bradman, Paul Warwick, we were all the camel guys, if you remember. But you were older. Yes, you were I like twenty three or twenty four, twenty five, and yeah. I was eighteen, nineteen. And they would take us to was... to bars to give out cigarettes. Can you imagine that now? Wow. Oh my God. No, it's incredible. It is staggering, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we used to, used to get, I, I used to go around the paddock and there'll be girls handing out cigarettes, free cigarettes to kids. Yeah, I know. You know? Uh, it, it was just amazing. But um, so cigarettes are out. Um, obviously, you're free to smoke if you, you're so inclined. It's, uh, it's up to you. But uh, Formula One doesn't promote cigarette no, smoking. It's, it's as it shouldn't. Um, well, they're coming up mm. to, to spa. Uh, obviously coming up. Um, yeah. I was just, you know, thinking about, I've never driven, you know, um, a Rouge in a, in a Formula One car. I've only done it in GT cars. 
and, and sports yeah. cars. But every era that drives Spa has, as the technology gets bigger and faster and better and yeah. more downforce and tire technology, but it still is a track remaining on the calendar where the driver can make a difference, do you think? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Definitely. In fact, but it, uh, curiously, I was listening to what um, uh, the, the technical director of McLaren was saying um, just about Spa. Is that actually, the time is in the slow corners. So their mm. car is very good in the quick corners. Um, so they're happy with that. But actually, most of the time that they want to make up is in the slower corners, which are the, the hairpins and the chicanes. Um, so um, if you think about it, it makes more sense because at a quick corner, you're in and out of it quickly. Um, and you spend a lot of time going around a hairpin at not high speed. So there's, there's more time that we found in those corners and, um, it, it's more technical, but there's, there's not much of that at Spa and it's a lot of, there's a lot of straight line stuff as well. So, mm. uh, going from, uh, La Source hairpin down to Radion and through that, um, the Rouge bit and up the hill, um, it's coming for a bit of. A criticism recently because there was recently an yeah. accident where I thought sadly they lost the life of a young driver um, and that was coming just a year or so after they've lost another driver as well so um, in the wet it's extremely treacherous as far. Yeah. I, I first went there and uh, in Formula 3 and it was raining and I just I just was absolutely terrified of the place you know oh, you yeah. cannot see what you're doing you're going, you know, we're in a, and those cars, we, well, we're, well, I raced in, in the wet there. In fact, I won in, in Spa in my last Grand Prix in, in um, 25 years ago, Justin, there you go, 25 years ago since uh, I won at the, my last Grand Prix. And it was wet and you cannot see. In fact, yeah. um, that's why Michael Schumacher drove into the back of uh, David Coulthard and actually put himself out of the race, but fortunately was not hurt. But you couldn't see that there was a car there in the spray. And that is... You know, that's our big worry with Spa. Yeah, it really is. But but then isn't it interesting as a driver, it, it makes you just sh sharpen your tools and, and cinch your belts a bit tighter. And as a fan, it makes you yeah. breathe in deeper. Mm. and Wet. And, <laughs> yeah, and wet. You're always wet. It's in the Ardennes Forest <laughs> it's and it's and cold. bloody wet and yeah. cold most of the time. What do you think the storyline to Spa? Bring wellies. Bring umbrella, wellies and an umbrella. umbrella. Wellies. Yeah, but it's a great, it's beautiful setting. Yeah. I mean, it is a beautiful track in the middle of the Ardennes Forest, but you're right, it sharpens your attention. And I think these are challenges that we like as, as racing drivers. We just, you can't be reckless. So that's the thing. Yeah. What do you think uh, the storylines will be for this weekend? I mean, obviously, a Max, can he pull it off again? But what, what are you looking forward to, to seeing? Hmm. I, I honestly, I would, I would like to see Max carry on winning. I would mm. want, I would like to know how far he can go with yeah, just. That's cool. While someone's got the chance, you know, it could be, it could be a long time before you see someone with an advantage like that. So behind him, what would I like to see? I mean, uh, you know, you like to see um, great racing. You know, you like to see some brilliant ideas, brilliant strategies, some good overtakes, some brave moves. I mean, I like to see Checo do a bit better. Maybe Checker can take the fight to, to Max and Spa. Um, well, put him uh, under a bit of pressure. That'd be exciting. It'd be good stuff. Well, before we let you go, it is now time <clears throat> for the Mobile One Pit Stop with Damon Hill. And for the love of driving, Damon, I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. You don't have to answer quickly, but 
Let's give it a shot. Would you have rather been a rock star or the Formula One driver that you were? A Formula One driver. I lied. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, that's, that's a terrible one. I know I never, I never would want to not have done what I did. Any superstitions before you got in the car? Uh, I always got in from the right-hand side of the car. I don't know where that came from. Maybe getting on a motorbike. I don't know. That's good but I, I never get on from the other side. Yeah. The funniest driver that you ever shared, uh, shared the pit lane well, with? Well, you, you're going to think this is strange, but Heinz Harald Frentzen was, I was a teammate with him, and he had us all in stitches. I mean, he was very difficult to read outside in the paddock and uh, in his career. But once he was in the debrief room with us, I promise you, he managed to find the, the the funny bone of all of us. He was just brilliant. He he was a very very dry had a very dry and uh, inventive humour. He's actually on Twitter as well, so you can look him up and you'll get an idea of what I mean. Great idea. Um, your dad's moustache moustache was such a trademark. Uh, what age were you, and were you excited to be manly enough to finally have a moustache? <laughs> Yeah, I didn't go for the just the plain moustache because if I did that, I, I did it once for a photo shoot for for uh, Goodwood Festival of Speed. Actually, um, Charles Rich, Richmond persuaded me to take part in it. And I looked like my dad. It was the very scary, actually, to be honest. I just, and I just had this little pencil moustache and I just thought, I can't do that. That's, that doesn't look right. So I have a goatee normally. At the moment, I'm very badly kempt. If you, uh, apologies, I haven't showed. Well, look at me. Um- Final question. Mm. What was the dumbest thing a journalist ever asked you? <laughs> Justin, is it, could it be that? Could it be that question? It could be, right? Well, mine no, was, could, could be that question. Mine was, was the in the middle of the night at Le Mans. The middle of the night at Le Mans, getting in with my dad and that Belgium came up. There's a journalist I don't like very much. And he came out and he said, how does it feel knowing you'll never be as fast as your dad? I went, what a time to ask me that. All I said was there's about 200 other drivers in this paddock that aren't as fast as him either. So, um, no. no, that's true. Well, I, my dad, my dad could be quite short with people and he got asked something like that once. He said, what's the, what's the worst question you've ever been asked? And he said, when, when idiots like you come up to me and ask questions like that, just for, just as I'm about to get in the car. So he basically put him in his place a little bit, but, um, basically don't go up to a racing driver at the wrong moment. Um, they're a bit crabby. They are a bit crabby. Damon, thanks so much for being on here. I, I will see Good. you. Uh, I, I might be at the Revival uh, if you're going to be there. I'll be back for that. And Yeah, I think so, yeah. Good. And I'm going to try and turn and, up and to you, a race. You, that's what you do is you, you, you swan around the place uh, with expen- looking at beautiful cars and beautiful venues. And yeah, you've made yeah. a great life for yourself doing what you love. Thank you so that's much. Good. I really have. Well, thank you so much right. for, for being a part of it. You. And we'll, we'll catch up soon, mate. All right, take care. Thanks very much. Lovely chatting. Hey, race fans. Justin Bell here, former racing champion and host of the new F1 podcast, Drive to Win. What is it about a race that's so exciting? The breakneck speeds, the constant pressure, the ever-present threat of danger, or is it simply the driving? Think about it. No phones, no laptops, no screens, just the world's greatest drivers, cars, and the ultimate freedom. Yep, it's all of the above. Mobile One, for the love of driving. Well, very cool to have the Damon Hill on the show. That was a, a great insight, of course. And Damon, one of the uh, quirkier characters in Formula One and winning a world championship nearly 30 years ago. Big deal. 
The buzz in the car world is definitely about the Las Vegas Concours coming up the Saturday before the Heineken Silver Grand Prix. And the reason there's a buzz is the team here at the Win. they are dedicated, committed to redefining the genre of the car Concours. Traditionally, it can be a bit stuffy. Uh, they have lots of older gentlemen and ladies in uh, blue blazers and straw boaters walking around looking for blades of grass on tires and things like that, which can totally destroy your chance of becoming best of show. But the win, well, we're going to do it a little bit different this year. We have a collection of some of the finest, most historic cars with the best lineage from the last hundred years or so of the automobile, as well as contrasting that with the latest electric cars and hypercars, supercars, a little bit of everything. There will be tons of VIPs, celebrities, and you can get in through the gate and be a part. It's out on the golf course, right behind the win. It is a trademark feature of Las Vegas, right under the shadow almost of the sphere. You can see it all in one place. And that is the Las Vegas Concours. Go to lasvegasconcours.com and there's a ton of information. Oh yeah, and I'm hosting. So it's worth coming. It's worth watching. Time now for the Win Las Vegas race preview. Now, Spa-Francorchamps is this weekend set in the Ardennes Forest. It's the town of Stavelo in Belgium, one of the true classics on the racing calendar in any series. But when you take Formula One there, it is a bit like trying to go to the moon. All the risks are heightened and you're strapped to a rocket ship. And it is, for many reasons, as Damon Hill just said, it's one of the most dangerous tracks on the circuit. Uh, of course, when it comes to danger as a driver, we respond to it, we react to it. No one wants to get killed and no one wants to see anyone get killed or injured. But when the stakes are higher, so for some reason is the drama. And definitely with the weather that you have at Spa, is traditionally at least raining half the time. And it's set in the, these amazing forests. And so just it becomes its own microcosm and it just it literally can, can be miserable weather, which makes for very tough racing. Great to watch, but not so fun to be a part of. Why is it so difficult? The track, well, they have kept the original, I mean, all the way back to uh, 1925 when they ran the first Grand Prix. They've had a Grand Prix there every year other than two. And that's one of those reasons it stays on the, on the calendar with very few alterations other than the mandatory safety upgrades that you'd hope a track would put in. Uh, but as Damon just mentioned, uh, we had a, a death here just not long ago, and there was one last year in the rain, especially coming out of Eau Rouge, which is everyone talks about it. It's, there's, it's a, in a Formula One car, flat, left, right, left, up, down the Radion straight. And if, if someone spins, and especially if you're unsighted in the rain, it becomes very, very dangerous. But at 4.352 miles, it is nonstop action. And I think we're going to see one of the best races of the year. Can Red Bull extend his win? I love to hear Damon's point of view that, uh, yeah, let's see how long he can ride this wave for. Certainly establishing a new record is some, something that very few people get the chance to do. And Max is in a place to do that. And I know the, the Dutch army will be behind him on that one. I am happy to see Prez back on form. Can he convert it? Can he... He was he was third, but is he going to be able to to take the fight more to to Max? I think that's a very good point that Damon brought up. Uh, but when it comes to Mercedes, 
are they able to maintain their spot there, right? Just nipping at the heels, getting on the podium. Could they get second place? I think he would have been able to with a little bit more time out there. So I'm just excited. George Russell, he's the guy that, I mean, I'm a huge George, George Russell fan, uh, but things haven't gone quite his way, although he's always there or thereabout in the top six. So I think that's going to be a fun storyline. I think when it comes to McLaren, while Lando is definitely, you know, flying the British flag uh, very high right now, and he seems to be in a position to, to, to take the better results, Oscar Piastri has been right there. And were it not for just a couple of unlucky moments, I think he would have had a better ability to, to score on the podium. So that is a duo where equal teammates of, of amazing, sublime talent, both young, both hungry, both with a lot to prove, both with the potential to be future world champions in, champions in Formula One. I think they, uh, you're going to see great inter-team rivalry between them. They, they do take it to each other on the track. And we saw some moments with Oscar out there uh, when, when uh, Perez went by him and he just fought straight back on the outside. I'm thinking that's the beauty of being young, brave, and in a way not knowing any different. If someone overtakes you, you try and take them back. You don't play the game. So I'm, I'm excited to see Oscar Piastri and how he does. It is the third sprint weekend of the year. And as you know, with that come the increased demands on track time. You've got to qualify. You've got to race. You've got to qualify again for the race on Sunday. So a uh, lot to play for. The upgrades generally have been installed in the cars, tested this past weekend at Hungaro Ring, and they're in full force going into Spa. So I think we're going to just have an amazing time. Well, as you know, we are, I mentioned it at the top of the show, this place is getting real racy in the build-up to the Heineken Silver Grand Prix of Las Vegas. And the win Las Vegas is certainly the place to be. Now, you can go along to winlasvegas.com slash experiences slash F1 uh, for more information. And there's a lot in there, not just about a lot of information, just about being here at the Grand Prix and obviously staying here and the kind of packages you can to get involved. And remember, you have the Grandstand package, the Paddock Club package, the Wind Grid Club, and then, believe it or not, a million dollar package. So for the rare air of the, the people that can afford that, this is the place to be. Well, I've had a great time. Uh, really looking forward to this weekend's race and I will see you again next week. Uh, have a good time and remember, drive to win. Uh, it's a place to be. Please share the news with your fans, uh, on your own friends on social media and follow us at drive to win on Instagram. And there's two ways to watch this. If you enjoy it on any of the places you normally get your podcast, that's one thing. But we're a very visual show. So check it out on YouTube. Anyway, I'm Justin Bell. See you next week.